Welcome to the Reformed Media Review. My name is Camden Busey. I'm here with Jim Cassidy. And today we're going to be speaking about The Lord's Supper as a Means of Grace, More Than a Memory, uh, a book by Richard C. Barcelos. Uh, Jim, tell us about this one. Sure, Camden. Thanks. Um, yeah, you know, this this book came in the mail a couple of weeks ago, and I was really excited to get it and begin to delve into it. Uh, many of you may have heard already the review that we did of Better Than the Beginning, a uh, book that Richard had uh, authored previously. And uh, we we have uh, some comments. Uh, you could look it up online here in Reform Forum and find that review. Uh, so he's followed up here with a book of similar size, uh, small matter manageable type book that you can use in the context of, let's say, a Bible study or Sunday school class or just for your own personal edification uh, without getting uh, bogged down with a, um, you know, heavy-duty volume that will take forever to plow through. Uh, This one will, you'll get through it pretty quickly. Um, And, but that doesn't mean that the material in it is lightweight, not at all, quite on the contrary, actually. Uh, uh, Richard does uh, a good deal of exegesis throughout this book. Um, does a pretty good job of expounding texts in a way that is faithful and sound according to Greek grammatical uh, rules and uh, and language, et cetera, et cetera. He's, he shows a very a very competent uh, mastery of of the language and how it works in uh, in the New Testament. So uh, in that sense, uh, there there is a good deal of uh, heavy material in there that um, now will challenge uh, any believer. So uh, I commend it for for that purpose. Uh, if nothing else. Now, just to just uh, kind of uh, lay out the book here, Camden, uh, mm-hmm. we've got six basic chapters. Uh, you have a forward, a preface, and an introduction. By the time you actually get into the first chapter, uh, you're, you're 31 pages into a 111-page book. So um, it's uh, it, you, you've got a lot of kind of uh, front matter to get through first, wow. uh, where he kind of lays out what it is he wants to do. Um, and then you get into chapter one, the terminology connected with the Lord's Supper in the New Testament. Uh, chapter 2, Communion at the Lord's Supper. Chapter 3, uh, Spiritual Blessings in the Holy Spirit. Chapter 4, Spiritual Invigoration through Prayer. Chapter 5 uh, goes into the confessions and catechisms that talk about uh, the Lord's Supper as a means of grace. And chapter 6, uh, some final thoughts. Now, just to kind of uh, summarize uh, what it is that is his uh, his his burden, I guess, his, his passion, uh, his uh, the, the the thesis of the book is that the Lord's Supper is is not just a memorial, kind of what we would describe as a Zwinglian view of the Lord's Supper. Now, you know, we we've talked about in previous uh, you know shows and et cetera here on Reform Forum. Uh, what exactly does that mean now to have a Zwinglian view of the Lord's Supper? There's scholarly debate as to whether yeah. or not Zwingli was a was a Zwinglian. <laughs> yeah, it, precisely. Um, So, uh, but, you know, that's sort of the shorthand uh, term that we might use to describe a a purely and exclusively memorialist view of the Lord's Supper. Uh, To break that down even more, um, it's – that's the view that says the Lord's Supper is simply a symbol – uh, it, it's it's a remembering what Christ did for us. That's it. Nothing more. Um, we might uh, probably accurately guess uh, unscientifically that that's the predominant view of the Lord's Supper among evangelicals in whatever an evangelical is uh, here in America today. Um, so uh, that's that's the predominant view that's going around. And so uh, Richard's wanting to challenge that view. 
Um, and uh, what he wants to do is he wants to show it's more than a memorial. It's actually a means of grace. That's great. Yeah. Um, in other words, something actually happens uh, at at the Lord's Supper. Uh, it, it's it, it's it's more than just what the church does relative to the world. That is to point the world to Christ. It is that, uh, but it's actually a, a lot more than that. Um, it's it, it's actual union and communion with Christ by the Holy Spirit, uh, communicating to us the benefits of Christ's redemption. So mm-hmm. that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, for our listeners, uh, Camden, and, and for us, we'll find a good deal of appreciation because of the fact that he is applying a redemptive historical hermeneutic to the issue of the Lord's Supper as he reads um, uh, reads through and um, uh, you know tries to explicate what the Bible says uh, concerning the Lord's Supper as a as a means of grace um, he's uh, just as we're going through here I'm I'm flipping through some of the pages looking at some of the things that I I highlighted um, so Basically, what he wants to argue, as per the introduction, he says this, I am convinced from the Word of God that the Lord's Supper is a vital part of the local church life because it was ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ to be a means of grace and more than a memory. Um, that is his contention. Uh, that is that is his thesis that he is going to take the rest of the book to explicate and to expound. Um, just a, a couple of other things that that he does in here as we're looking at some of the other chapters. Uh, the first chapter uh, that he gets to is uh, talking about – it's basically an explication of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, what exactly does it mean to share in the body and blood of Christ? And as far as I'm concerned, I believe he does a wonderful, wonderful service here, uh, talking about what exactly exactly that means. Um, now that's uh, that's actually in, in chapter two, but in chapter one he's setting it up. Uh, chapter two he does the actual uh, exegesis of First Corinthians chapter ten. Uh, if I could just back up into chapter one again and just note something uh, that that I thought was helpful. Uh, he he looks at the Lord's Supper uh, f- in terms of its usage, uh, going in three directions. Um, there's there's a retrospective element. The the idea that the Lord's Supper is m- a memorial. It's it is looking back at the once and for all finished work of Christ. Uh, but then he looks at the present communion of the believer with Christ, and then he also has. I think this is one of the elements that's so often missing in our doctrine of the Lord's Supper, and that's the eschatological anticipation. Right. Um, the uh, the banquet feast of the Lamb, which is awaiting us, it is the uh, the fe- it's looking forward as well. The Lord's Supper is to that time when we will we will have communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ uh, forever at His table, that table that has been uh, set up for us by Him. Um, and then, so uh, chapter two again, as I mentioned, is the explication and exegesis of First Corinthians chapter eleven. Chapter three, the spiritual blessings in the Holy Spirit. Um, 
you know, if I were to anticipate perhaps a critical remark I might have here, uh, chapter three is actually very well done in terms of exegesis. He he exegetes uh, Ephesians chapter one three particularly, and there he's wanting to show uh, that according to Paul, the Holy Spirit is the one who applies the once once and for all redemptive historical work of Christ to us by grace. Um, so he makes the distinction between the ordo salutis and the Historia Salutis. Historia Salutis is the once and for all finished work of Christ, um, and then the Ordo Salutis is the application of redemption, that redemptive work to us by the Spirit. And he's using Ephesians 1-3 as, as his uh, uh, text to, to show that, to prove that. Uh, and, and that he does. He does very well. Then he tries to draw it uh, to uh, to the Lord's Supper, that what the Holy Spirit is doing at the Lord's Supper is taking the benefits of Christ, and he is applying it to the believer um, at, at the time of the Lord's Supper. Now, uh, I, I agree with that. I, I agree with his exegesis of First Corinthians, uh, or I'm sorry, Ephesians one three. Um, I'm I'm not sure that it's a natural connection uh, to move from Ephesians one three to the doctrine of the Lord's Supper. Uh, I, I kind of struggled with that a little bit. I could be persuaded, but uh, but either way, I mean, what he is saying here is 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 good. Um, if I could just go ahead and anticipate perhaps another. Uh, point of, of of critical remarks, mm-hmm. although I hope it would be constructive criticism, sure. um, is is the idea that he he keeps hitting home this point, particularly pages sixty nine and following, um, of of the application of redemption, uh, and and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, pick a bone of contention here a little bit with Richard just to uh, it, just to have fun. I mean this this, this doesn't this doesn't uh, take away from the value of the book, but it's something to throw out there perhaps for uh, for us to think about and to and to go back and iron sharpening iron here. But um, in in this uh, in this section sixty pages sixty nine and following, there's kind of this repetitive refrain. Um, and and it not and it's not just here. It actually continues throughout the rest of the book. But it goes something like this: um, that the spiritual. This is a, a kind of a quote from page seventy. But the spiritual blessings of Christ are brought to the souls uh, of believers here on earth. Okay, that that that's some that that that's somewhat of a refrain that we keep hearing. Um, and and my bone of contention is this. According to Ephesians 1, 1, 3, and then, of course, I believe even more so in Ephesians chapter 2, um, I think that the application of redemption by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, first of all, is not so much the Holy Spirit taking the benefits of Christ and bringing them down to us into our souls here on earth, as much as it is the taking of the sinner-turned-believer into the heavenly places with Christ. So I, I think that the the emphasis of the direction of Richard's arrow uh, being downward is 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 kind of um, uh, reversed from what I see biblically speaking, uh, which is the arrow going upward. That the role of the Spirit is to take us 
um, and to unite us to the resurrected and ascended Lord Jesus Christ, so that where Christ is, we are now as believers. So it's not so much the Holy Spirit taking some cargo, some uh, some beneficial material, as it were, and bringing it down to us and instilling it into our souls here on earth, as much as it is taking the whole person, body and soul, of course, of the believer into the heavenly places with Christ where he has been um, uh, seated at the right hand of God, so that where Christ is there, the believer is as well. So I want to I kind of turn that arrow uh, pointing upwards. Let me just say one, one other thing here about, um, about this idea of the Holy Spirit taking the benefits of Christ and putting it into the soul of the believer here on earth. Um, that that's kind of has a pious ring to it, and, and I, you know, we, we, we're all kind of drawn to that, I, and I think that there's a great deal of, of truth to it. Um, but I indicated this just a couple of sentences ago, and I want to reiterate it again, the emphasis and the importance of the fact that it is the whole person who is a recipient of the benefits of Christ's redemption, not just our souls. And I know it's kind of an expression, so I'm kind of being a little nitpicky here, but but I think it's important, especially if we think, Camden, of the, the words of the, uh, of the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, question and answer one. Do you, do you remember how that goes? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so so it's so it's uh, in life and death. What is your only comfort in life and death? Mm-hmm. That in life and death, um, in with both body and soul, right? I mm-hmm. am not my own, but I belong to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. Right. So uh, the redemption that we have in Christ. Um, is not just uh, kind of a, a soulish thing. Um, it is, in fact, a whole person thing, body and soul. Uh, the spiritual uh, benefits that are talked about in Ephesians 1-3 um, are not uh, uh, – Paul does not have in view benefits that are given to our spirits. That's not what's in view there. Um, I believe uh, that the spiritual benefits that are referred to are eschatological, they're Holy Spirit benefits, so that uh, it's in fact the Holy Spirit who comes to minister to the believer – uh, body and soul, the the entire person, and takes that entire person, and by virtue of the uh, the covenantal bond that we have with Christ, lifts us up and takes us into the heavenly places. So our entire persons are united to Christ in the heavenly places, um, here in an already not fashion, uh, not yet fashion, eschatologically speaking. Um, so that's just a you know that that that's just a bone of contention where I think that uh, that Richards, uh, Richard and and us all can, you know, perhaps enter into some dialogue on and, and strengthen our our perspective on things. Um, so let me let me just go ahead and close. And if I could, Camden, mm-hmm. there's so much more can be said about the rest of the book, which is beneficial. Read the stuff on the Confession, Catechism, and all that. Uh, very very good stuff. Um, but let me let me just close with with perhaps a critical question, not so much remarks, but critical questions. And my critical questions are along these lines. Um, I'm not persuaded that the the idea and the concept of the covenant uh, fully informs um, Barcellus's uh, exegesis of uh, or explication of the Lord's Supper. And so I'm just wondering out loud whether or not uh, a, a a bigger view of the covenant. Uh, would not help, in fact, explicating his doctrine of the Lord's Supper. Um, he does refer to a uh, the Lord's Supper at one point in the book. I think towards the end he calls it a 
Uh, let's see if I can get the language here. The supper is a sacred. This is page one eleven. The supper is a sacred covenantal meal. Okay, so that's that's the one of the few times I see him uh, refer to the Lord's Supper as uh, at all in context in, in terms of a covenant. Um, but and, and that and that draws out a, a bigger question. And my bigger question is this. Does the lack of the covenantal perspective with regard to the Lord's Supper, along with this kind of soulish understanding of the application of redemption, uh, together perhaps, if, if remedied, um, would not uh, speak to a greater and more uh, consistent doctrine of the sacraments for for our good brother here, hmm. um, and and the rest of our Reformed Baptist brethren, um, where where Richard does a great great job here showing that according to Reformed Baptist sacramentology, um, you, you know the Lord's Supper is a means of grace. But my question: What about baptism? Is baptism also a means of grace? Um, and he's got some evidence in, in the um, section on the confessions and stuff that show that perhaps according to the—I think it was the London Baptist Confession or it was uh, the Baptist uh, Catechism, I forget. He's got—there's some language there that may indicate— uh, that that Reformed Baptist will refer to uh, baptism as a means of grace. Hmm. Although I think we would all say that's not the ordinary way that the that the ba- that baptism is referred to um, by our Reformed Baptist brethren. So, so anyway, um, you know this 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 kind of uh, I mean if, let me let me be um, you know straightforward here without mincing any words. Um, the, the the Lord's covenants with his people in the scriptures is very bodily, okay? Um, it, it's very concrete. It's very physical, if I could put it to you that way. Um, and I think that that reality, the nature of the covenant being a very physical and a very bodily type of phenomenon in scripture, speaks to the nature of baptism and the covenantal sign and seal given to us all throughout Scripture, because God doesn't work individually with just individually with souls alone. He deals with whole people, body and soul, in such a way that he he deals not only with them, but he deals with their progeny as well. Uh, the promise is to you and to your children, um, and so there's. There's a very organic, creaturely element to even the covenant of grace uh, that I think might be missing in a lot of um, certainly modern-day American uh, Baptist theology. Uh, and, And I think Richard does a great job here in bringing to our attention the importance of the Lord's Supper as a means of grace. It gives it a real, a real significance, a real uh, meaty meaning to it, as it were. Um, uh, but I would like to see that carried over now to the doctrine of baptism. What does it mean to have received the covenantal sign and seal? And what does it mean for not just me, but for those that I represent now as a member of the covenant of grace? Because I'm not there just my soul in the covenant of grace, but I'm there body and soul, and not just body and soul, but I bring my whole household, I bring my whole family into the covenant of grace when I, by grace, am brought in and grafted into Jesus Christ. Uh, It's not just me who's holy at that point. 
but my wife and my children, they also become holy as well uh, with all of the proper qualifications that we would give that uh, covenantal holiness, uh, a status of having been set apart from the world and set apart to Jesus Christ for his glory and service. And so, uh, therefore, I would say that um, uh, believers and their household, believers and their children ought to receive the sign and seal of the covenant of grace. And I, so I would just like to, to throw that out there as a conversation piece for us to perhaps engage with our Reformed Baptist brethren on and say, does a more meaty, a more uh, a physical understanding of the covenant inform not just our doctrine of the Lord's Supper, but ought it not also to inform our doctrine of baptism as well? Hmm. Well, I'm sure Richard will be happy to respond, and I'm sure many of our listeners, especially our confessing Reformed Baptists with a big R, uh, the 1689ers especially, will be happy to oblige you. <clears throat> we look forward to that and to that interaction. You can find uh, you know that online and jump in the comment thread. As a reminder, this book is The Lord's Supper as a Means of Grace, More Than a Memory. It's by Richard C. Barcelos. It's published by Mentor, and it's available online roughly around 14 or $15. This has been the Reformed Media Review. Thanks for listening.